This is my instant reaction to Skinema Rink. Patience builds perseverance, perseverance character. I've just come out of a screening of a movie that made me a man of greater character because it was a taxing experience. It was a taxing experience that seems to want to test the boundaries of its audience's patience. And my patience was tested and it was found wanting, but still yet I feel more refined by the fire than when I went in. Uh, drink in hand, fresh from the theater. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jason. I am a manager at the last video store in the universe. That video store is called Binge Movies. That is also the name of this podcast. I normally do ranking episodes with guests, film critics, filmmakers, and film fanatics from around the world. When I'm not busy doing that, I'm busy creating original, unique, creative movie content over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash binge movies. When I'm not busy doing that, I'm going to the movie theater, and I'm walking out of it and finding the nearest microphone I can. I beg, I beg the public on the streets, and I go, Mr. Mr., give me a microphone. I got to tell the world about my thoughts. And then I record my instant reaction to movies that I see on the main podcast. On these instant reactions, we cover the entire gamut of film from the Tommy Wiseau's or the Bong Joon-ho's there were, and the Francois Truffaut's. We cover it all, baby. Um, normally, I do light spoilers, a little bit of a break, and then some spoilers. In this case... Uh, I'm not going to do any spoilers for it other than the lightest of spoilers. You can probably hear by the tenor in my voice that I'm a little amped up tonight. And I will tell you why in uh, minimal detail. <laughs> um, first and foremost, here's what I would say. If you don't want any spoilers whatsoever, would I recommend Skin and Marink? No, I would not. But I have a caveat. The caveat is unless you're going to watch it at home in the dark. Because the general public cannot be trusted with a movie like Skinamarink. And this very specific, very loosely, non-specifically, let me just put out there. Skinamarink is about two kids, presumably, two kids in a house. Things get weird and it, it's dark and uh, disorienting for 90 minutes, give or take. Uh, maybe an hour 45. Um, that's an hour too long, probably an hour, 25 minutes too long. Um, what I would say is that Skinamarink is a 20 minute museum piece of experimental filmmaking that is pretending to be a horror movie. I like that sort of stuff. I have no problem going up to Cleveland to the MOCA, the Museum of Contemporary Art, and sitting at, in an art installation for 10, 15, 20 minutes watching something, going to the plaque beside the installation saying, oh, well, this is a film about this particular artist, their take on domestic child abuse or so forth and so on. And I say, oh, okay, that was very interesting. I don't expect it to have a plot. I don't expect it to be engaging on a character level or a narrative level because I understand the assignment, right? I understand when I walk into a certain place, into a certain atmosphere, to a certain environment, I understand what is required of me of the viewer. Shudder or whoever's behind the marketing of this movie, marketing this as a horror film uh, that's really spooky and scary and, oh, my God, things are happening in the dark and you should, oh, this is the new movie to go see, are doing this movie a disservice because I saw it in a jam-packed theater full of people, quite a few who left, 
quite a few who talked. One person who quite literally coughed and vomited in their own mouth, I think limited to their own mouth, very loudly. A very young child sitting next to me, like probably younger than the kid gangster from RoboCop 2, like way too young for a movie like this, just chomping on popcorn. That was to my left. Jokers to the left of me. And a man who didn't have Jimmy legs, he had Jimmy body. This man in a recliner, a leather recliner in a movie theater, when he wasn't busy sniffling and farting and doing and, and, and stinking of beef roast, he was shimmying and jimmying his body almost to the level of full contortions. At one point in the movie, I looked over because I thought maybe he was having an epileptic fit. And I, I said, okay, Jason, you can't be mad at this guy because he might be having a medical emergency. That's how restless he was in the chair. The general public is not fit for this kind of a thing because this movie is not about entertainment. This movie is not about scaring you. This movie is about dumping a bunch of aesthetics on top of each other, whether they make sense or not, and trying to be as weird as possible and saying, that's spooky. Isn't it spooky how weird everything is? No, it isn't. It's very taxing. It's very taxing on my nerves and not in a good way. And nothing fucking happens. In, in, somebody watched, Somebody went to art school and is a, a theater major and then somebody else went and saw the Blair Witch, 1999, and thought the last 10 to 15 minutes of the movie would be really good if it was two fucking hours long. That is skin of a rink. The movie takes place via title card in 1995. Everything else about the movie screams 1968 to 1977, somewhere in there. It is a movie that was clearly shot on digital because there's at least two shots in the movie that have motion smoothing or uh, um, uh, uh, auto stabilization, right? Digital stabilization to them. And yet there is so much film noise and film grain and popping and cracking and shitty audio that's dumped on to make it as lo-fi and as analog as possible. And even the credits are done in a way that the credits would have been done no later than 1981. If this is taking place in 1995, why do we have 1970s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 16 millimeter film quality on a movie that takes place in 1995? It doesn't really make sense. All the camera angles are from the perspective or from the height level of basically small children who are more or less our main characters. You're going to be given their names and the most inane dialogue between them with about 15 minutes in between each line reading. This is a movie that happens in almost complete silence. And, and what the only light that is typically seen in the movie is coming from a CRT television, which is playing public domain cartoons, which are extremely shrieking. And there is the constant noise of the soundtrack of the, 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 the post-converted film crackling, popping, you know the sound. And that's it. I, I got a physical, literal fucking headache watching this. 
And I had a guy go, retching. I had a kid munching. I had a body jimmying. I had two girls talking. I had people just, just restlessly rustling through everything that they could possibly own. Anything that would make noise. I think there were fuckers jingling change in their pockets. Who has change anymore? And the thing is, like, I within the first 15 minutes of this movie, I wanted to get up and walk out because I knew what I was in for. I knew what I was in for. I knew because here, here's what I'm in for. I'm in for either the camera angles are angled at in a, in a very every every shot in this movie is angled into the most mundane slash disorienting way possible. It's almost as if you did the, the camera was just shot. Like, oh, we're just going to have a, a five-minute shot with droning noise, very low-level drone. And we're just going to pick up the ambient noise of a house in the, at night, 1995. And it's going to be all grainy, and you're going to be seeing maybe the top of a lampshade, the corner of, of a room, like the corner of a ceiling, and maybe some shadows that are being cast. And then we're going to hyper-zoom down into the carpet, and then you're going to see remnants of Legos. And then we're just going to hard cut, hard cut, hard cut, hard cut to establishing shots that are establishing disorientation. And that's the point. The point is that it's supposed to disorient us. It's supposed to put us in this unfamiliar perspective so that we feel like we don't know what's going on, so that when shit gets, so that everything's weird from the beginning, so that when shit gets real weird, we have, we're already on edge and we feel disoriented. The entire movie is like, it's almost like a film school exercise of how many different techniques can we use to get the audience to feel on edge. Here's the problem with this movie. The payoffs are few and far between, and they're not at all frightening. I was so starved for something of any anything of any to any degree to happen in this movie that when the spooky thing happens here there yon i was more relieved than scared finally something is happening i don't normally complain about sort this sort of stuff again if i went to the to to the museum and this was presented to me in 20 minutes or 30 minutes i would say that was interesting kind of spooky but to extend this into feature length, and, and even if you're going to choose to do this in, a, in such an experimental fashion, which props to the filmmakers for doing so, but if you're going to do it in an experimental fashion, you can still have establishing shots at weird fucking angles where we see a photo of the family hung up on the refrigerator, or we see something, we see, you know, artifacts of these people's lives around in these different shots so that, that, that you can, the audience can then begin to kind of piece together a, a slight thumbnail sketch of who this family is and invest a little bit because we started complete disorientation and we never really see anybody's face until their, their horrible things have happened to them or presumably horrible things have happened to them. And because there's so many false starts and so much cinematic blue balls in this movie, we're never invested in anything. It's just, it's just fucking light sound and noise. That's all it is. That's all it is. And, and it's like, okay, here's what I would say. The, this movie, to its credit, 
requires an audience member to be engulfed in it. That you have to feel as if you are surrounded by the darkness. You're surrounded by these weird creaks and sounds and this shit that's happening in this room. That you feel that you were brought down to the level of a child and that you are engrossed in what's happening in the screen. That's just, that is the sort of suspension of disbelief that has to happen. And in that sense, I could see where this movie could be engaging. But having jump scares where something, you have a hard cut and there's a lar- loud shrieking, banging, clanging sound in your fucking face and then hard cut to a creepy old public domain cartoon. I've seen this shit before. And this is where I'm like, this is the movie everybody is raving about. And I was excited. I was excited based on the recommendation of so many other people. I'm just thinking, have you people not seen shitty horror movies before? Because that's what this is. This is a, this is a museum installation paranormal activity. You know, why, who, who gives a shit? Who cares? Why are we pretending this is like a revolutionary thing? But back to my point, I think because of the, the noisiness, restlessness, general mental illness of everybody fucking around me tonight, which I know I sound like such a miserable bastard. I promise I went in and like, okay, I'm skinnamarinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydinkydink
um, not oriented to the world of the film, but very firmly oriented to the world of me being in a movie theater, getting an f- increasingly raw, rough headache. Um, I, you know, maybe I'll like it, you know, but whatever quote unquote magic this movie had, it did not work on me. I will probably never give it a second chance. I give it two out of five stars. I'd say skip it. I was, was really miserable. It was a very miserable experience all the way around. Probably the one of the worst movie th- theatrical experiences I've had in probably like five years. Like I've had some some bad ones, but the movies have been able to overcome that. And, you know, I've talked about that before on here about some of the bad experiences that I've had, or at least things that in retrospect are sort of semi-comical or things, you know, whatever. But this this was at a whole different level. I couldn't wait to get out of the theater. I just could not wait. Within the first 10 minutes, I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And that doesn't happen to me. And that's the other thing is this sort of movie is the sort of shit that's normally right up my alley. It just did not work for me at all. Two out of five stars. Watch it on Shutter. Get Shutter. Because uh, here's the thing. If you're going to spend nine bucks, whatever, spend nine bucks for a month. Watch a bunch of stuff on Shutter. Find some obscure shit. Find some new shit. And uh, I don't know, maybe do a deep dive into some Joe Bob back catalog and then cancel, you know, but to say, hey, to spend eleven dollars to go see this experimental film with, with, with a, in a room full of people who are more than likely going to be expecting the next Insidious. I think you're gonna have a bad time and I can't recommend you go to the theater and not have a good time. I just can't do it because, you know. I don't know, eggs are like $9 now, right? I don't know that they're $9, but uh, in certain places they are. I do know that like the Taco Bell Crave box, which is like five bucks is now like getting close to 10. It's just beans and cheese and a tortilla 16 different ways. Like the, the, like Taco Bell is out of their, they're out of their mind. They're out of their mind. And here's how they're out of their mind. We didn't eat Taco Bell because it was worth the money. We ate Taco Bell because either we were drunk or we were broke. Or you're drunk and you're broke because you spent all your money at the bar. And they're open at 2 o'clock in the morning. So now it'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be $9 for, for a fucking cheesy gordita crunch box. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. How many different things can you spread nacho cheese on? Not that many. A sure sign that things are trending in the wrong direction, though, is when Wendy's is like, we will put $15 worth of food in a bag for $5. Every time they bring out the, I forget what they call them, like the, the big value deals or whatever, every time they bust that son of a bitch out, you know, the economy's in a shitter. If you're a millennial, you know. <laughs> every time Wendy's is like, we'll give you a double cheeseburger, 10 spicy nuggets, fucking cookie, you want a little frosty, we'll throw a little frosty in there. You want some chili? Chili seventy nine cents. Every time they do that, they're ahead of the, they're they that that like you know somewhere Punxsutawney Phil is getting ready to wake up from hibernation. Tell us when spring's going to be here. To be right around the corner, as will the new season of binge movies. And it, like clockwork, he f- sees his shadow. And like clockwork, Wendy from Wendy's is like, well, recession around the corner. Trying to bring out them biggie value meals. <laughs> so you know it's like four bucks. They'll give you like a shit ton of food. And meanwhile, Taco Bell is like, eh, 
We want fifteen dollars now for a Crunchwrap Supreme and a and a cold Doritos taco, where the grease is seeped through the bottom, and it, it, all the all the uh, innards of the taco are in the, that weird little sleeve they put it in. How can I tie that together to my Skinamarink review? I can't. Until next time, binge on. Mm-hmm.